welcome to the 11th episode of the Neither Here Nor There podcast. I am, of course, Daniel Greer. Here with me is your co-host, Stephen Kilby. Stephen, my man, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good. This is, episode's been a long time coming. I know it's, <laughs> there's, there's plenty of people been on tenterhooks for this one, certainly. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back, mate. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's good to hear you too, and we apologize to our listeners for not getting episode 11 out sooner. There was an episode 11 that was out sooner on schedule. However, unfortunately, the audio quality was so bad, even we were ashamed to publish the episode, which, of course, if we are ashamed over something, it must be bad, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I blame you entirely. It's so. all my fault. <laughs> and usually things are in this world. All my fault. But yeah, so I guess that episode will forever be the lost episode. However, we will go ahead and go through that episode um, as we originally recorded it with some added things uh, today. So look at it as you will, or if you will, as a, um, I guess you could say, a bonus episode, an episode with all the bells and whistles. So, Stephen, you're going to Japan next week, buddy. Are you ready for that? Uh, just about, I think. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been home from. So the reason we didn't record last week was because I was in Spain uh, with work. And oh my God, it was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. Like, it was 40 plus degrees every day I was out there, except for the day we left, which in American temperature is probably about 400 degrees or whatever you say. It was outrageously hot, and we didn't have aircon in the bedrooms in our um, Airbnb. So I ended up sleeping in a mattress on the floor in a living room for a week in uh, central Spain. And jeez, jeez Louise, man, I was so happy to be home just to get out of the heat. It really was punishing, and I'm hugely thankful that when I go to Japan next week, it's going to be nowhere near that hot. It's going to be lovely. In fact, it'll probably rain. It always usually rains at this time of year. And it's usually loads of fog and, you know, mist and, and poor weather. So, yeah, kind of hasn't really sunk in that I'm going as as soon as next Wednesday morning. But, um, yeah, I look forward to it. It's always a fun trip to, to go and work in Tokyo as much as it is a nightmare because you, you land and by the time you're used to the time zone, you're flying straight back on the, the Monday morning afterwards. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ready. I'm kind of ready. And you've, you've been on a, on a, you know, on a few little trips, haven't you, in the last few weeks, including you were away last weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, the past couple of weekends I've been gone. I was in Atlanta two weekends ago with my brother-in-law, um, and his friends. And then some of my, I saw some of my friends that live down there and we did the college football hall of fame which is amazing, well worth the visit, and then also, and I actually kicked a field goal successfully, so that was cool, I was the only one of us that did it, which was awesome, um, sign me I up, I really want to do that, I really want to do the College Football Hall of Fame, you'll yeah, have to take me sometime, you really it, will. It's great, we should, I'll, I'll do it again, but then of course the highlight of the weekend was the Braves game, they beat the Giants uh, that Saturday night, so that was awesome, sold out crowd. The Braves are good this year, man. They're coming for those Dodgers. I can't wait. <laughs> what? So tell me all about that experience. Like, obviously, beating anyone beating the Giants is fantastic. The Giants being the, the team in the league that I hate the most, being a Dodgers fan, that must have been awesome just to see the Giants get beaten. But what was the atmosphere like? I mean, a sellout at your your new stadium must be really cool. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the Braves have the best record in the country right now they're firing on all cylinders it's late in the season the playoffs are coming up so the fan engagement was incredible I mean it was you know standing room only for much of the game there were some big key plays where people were just going nuts Eddie Rosario made an amazing catch on defense and the whole crowd and then also hit a home run or two and the crowd was just chanting Eddie 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 at one point so that was really cool to see uh it's always fun to go down to Truist Park I love that ballpark um as mm. much of a pain as Atlanta can be just to get around because of the traffic and it being Atlanta uh, it was it was really great and then yeah and then last weekend I went home for the first time since Memorial Day which for those of you listening in the UK, is usually the last Monday in May, so I had not been home in nearly three months, and that that was rejuvenating. Um, 
I needed it. We went out on the lake, ran into some familiar faces and that sort of thing. And, you know, my parents are down visiting right now for this weekend. So that's, that's good as well. But, you know, here we are on the last day of August, August 31st, tomorrow's September 1st. And I just can't believe it, man. Um, mm. August, you know, August has been a good month. It's been a good month. I've been busy and it's going to be fall soon. You know, we'll talk about fall sports and some of that stuff coming up in the episode, but I'm, uh, I'm going to New York. Uh, you're going to Tokyo. I'm going to New York in a couple weekends for a short trip to visit some of my friends that live on Long Island. So I'm looking forward to heading up there and Long Island's great in the fall. Um, it's really cool. And the, you know, the pizza and the bagels and all that stuff is always great. So that will also be a nice little trip that's coming up for me just to kind of get out of Charlotte again and have something to look forward to. Mm. Oh, definitely. One more thing on, on um, your trip to Atlanta before we move on. Being a fan of the Braves, despite the fact that you, you obviously didn't grow up in Georgia, have never lived in Atlanta, has being a fan of that team kind of does it feel like home going to Atlanta? Have you kind of fallen in love with the city or is the team kind of the only reason that, that you have an attachment to, to Atlanta? It's the team that I love. I would never live in Atlanta, you know, never say never, but I don't foresee myself living there. And really, you know, the interesting thing about the Braves is the, the really the southeast of the United States is Braves country from Virginia to northern Florida, all the way out to Mississippi and Tennessee because there aren't any other major league baseball teams. And then plus back in the nineties, the Braves were on cable network TV when Ted Turner owned the team. And I mean, you see Braves fans everywhere. I mean, Braves fans are all over Charlotte. Uh, You know, in, in the past, the Braves minor league teams had teams in Virginia, like the Richmond Braves, the Danville Braves. I think there's still the Mississippi Braves out, out West a little bit. So you know, it's it's really kind of an all-encompassing team for the Southeast region, which makes it special because, you know, it's it's one thing that kind of the whole part of the country can unite around this one team, and plus they've been very good the past couple of years. And, you know, but it kind of surprises people, though, when you meet somebody from Georgia and they say, oh, a Braves fan. And, you know, I say, yeah, like, you know, I grew up in Virginia near the Tennessee line, but it was Braves country, still is. North Carolina's Braves country, so – um, it's special to me. The Braves are special to me. They're, you know, I love them almost as much as I love Tennessee, uh, the Vols. So it's always fun. And then we've converted my brother-in-law into being a, a big Braves fan. And so he's all yeah, on. Board that's cool. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool. It's cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a brief synopsis of what's going on. Um, I guess we've got some shout outs to give, don't we? Um, Alan Wink, our friend Brian's brother-in-law, Alan up in Ohio. We know you are a big fan of the podcast. Thank you for always listening and giving good uh, good tips. We're going to get to your top three, bottom three at the end of the episode. August birthdays, Nick Dawson, my brother-in-law, Cody Steiner. Happy birthday to both of you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, yep. We'll, we'll have to. I guess Wheezy's birthday is coming up in a couple days, so we'll have to shout out to him <laughs> next episode. <laughs> good old Wheezy. Yeah, I don't think he's 40 yet, but he's getting close. So <laughs> bless his heart, right? Well, all right, man. I've got some thoughts. I've got our interesting fact to open up. Ooh, um, you'll, you'll have to this. Do, yeah, you'll have to do the next one. So in the you know after this, look up something interesting to tell the crowd. But anyways, believe it or not, folks, Cleopatra, uh, the, the famous Egyptian, um, lived – Closer to our current time than she did to the construction of the pyramids. It's kind of a mind-boggling fact to think that Cleopatra was closer to the internet than the construction of the most notable monuments in her own country. Um, what do you think about that, Stephen? Yeah, it's a, it is a really good fact, and I'm sure there are plenty of people, and you know, I, I don't think there would be any shame in it. But I think there'd be plenty of people who would assume that Cleopatra crossed over with with the building of um, the pyramids. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if you, you know, if you, if you know Egyptian history, it makes sense. The, um, the pyramids were built in, I guess it was like a thousand, 1500 BC. 
Cleopatra lived around the time of Christ before, you know, slightly before Jesus Christ. And so it makes sense, you know, because the pyramids were ancient by the time she was alive. But, you know, interestingly enough about Cleopatra, she was Greek or Macedonian or whatever. She was descended from she was a Ptolemy, she was a Ptolemaic ruler. She was descended from Ptolemy, who was one of Alexander the Great's generals. And after Alexander Alexander the Great um, died, you know, his generals, whoever carved up his his conquests, and Ptolemy pretty much had Egypt and then his heirs for several hundred years down to Cleopatra ruled Egypt. And so she was um, she was of European descent still because they were all inbred. And apparently she wasn't very pretty. You know, she definitely didn't look like she's portrayed by Gal Gadot. And then um, whoever was in the old movie, who, who was Cleopatra in that old movie from like the 50s or 60s? Was that? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen it. I've not seen it, but it was one of those like very famous actors. Like, was it Audrey Hepburn maybe? Or I don't know. I'm sure somebody's going to correct us on that one. But. Anyways, you know, it's an interesting period to study Cleopatra, too, because she, of course, was a lover of Julius Caesar. And then after Cleopatra committed suicide, the Romans basically took over Egypt or Egyptus, as they called it in Latin, and then um, made it a part of their empire. But um, she, she was a lover of Caesar. I believe that they had a child named Caesarian uh, or something like that. And uh, the, the child died young. But, you know, it's kind of weird to think these two prominent figures of history had an heir and then i believe she was in love with mark antony or pompey or one of those other uh one of those other rivals of caesar at the time too so um yeah interesting interesting fact interesting period of time love love a little bit of roman history every now and then you know <laughs> oh yeah no i love it that's a great fact i really love um, that one and also actually i have three things to open up with so forgive me i'll you know uh, but your dad reached out to me and said hey previous episode you guys mentioned winston churchill and how even john lennon who was born in the 1940s his name was john winston lennon your dad asked me to ask you a question he said uh -oh. what other prominent person in both of your lives do you know that has the middle name winston is this a trick question i don't know he asked me to ask you and i told him i would so so okay does he mean him? Because my dad's middle name is Winston. Well, one of his middle names is Winston. He, he means your, himself. Yeah, your dad is Guy Winston Kilby. What? Um, no, he's, no, he's not. He's Guy Winston Kirk Kilby. Ah, well, even better. Named after yeah. Captain Kirk, too. No, um, it, named after Kurt Busch, the NASCAR driver, I believe. Oh. Kurt Bush. That that would be his redneck name if he lived in America. We we call him Kurt Kilby. Kurt Kilby. <laughs> Kurt Kilby. Yeah. Well, okay, we have Kurt. a we have a saying down here in Georgia. We say, <laughs> "I'm going out for a Kurt Kilby." Mm, sounds like um, using a Porter John for number two to me. Taking a, <laughs> taking a Kurt Kilby, but. Uh, apparently now, since you did get that question right, you're allowed back to your uh, family's house for holidays. So well, congrats, that's, Stephen. That's good because I'm supposed to be going tomorrow night because we've got big Premier League game on the weekend that I'm going to with a group of friends. Yeah. So it would be pretty sad if I had to sleep outside tomorrow night. Well, it wouldn't be the first time you slept outside probably. <laughs> <laughs> this week, yeah. <laughs> okay last thing to open up with for me and this is on a serious note everybody but it's something that's really touched me um the past couple of weeks um over here in america the number one song in the country right now is a song called rich men north of richmond um by a guy named oliver anthony who is a normal dude with a guitar that posted a video back on August 8th of him singing this song and it went viral. He's the first person to ever have a billboard, uh, top hit without previously being on the billboard top 100. I think if I have that fact correctly, and he was on Joe Rogan's podcast this week, very interesting guy. Um, but anyways, Oliver Anthony has taken the internet by storm. Um, I guess the long and short of, the song is basically so so for those of you listening who don't know uh richmond is the capital of virginia the state and then north of richmond 
is the capital of the United States, about 90 miles north, is Washington, D.C. And so he has this song out, and in my opinion, it's a bipartisan song uh, about the common man, rich men north of Richmond. So it's a little bit, I guess, of a play on words, but basically this song is like, hey, the working man's dying, we're, you know, we're breaking our backs, the economy's crap, the politicians are corrupt, they're pedophiles, that sort of thing, and it's really struck a nerve with a lot of people. It's resonated heavily. I mean, this guy's taken off. And the best thing about this dude is he doesn't care about money and fame. He just wanted to get his message out. Um, he won't sign a record deal. And I would say that the message that he's giving out would probably strike a nerve with people in the UK as well, because you all are facing the same problems as us. Yeah, no, I, I listened to song when you sent it to me. and it, No, it certainly is powerful. I mean, I... Gen generally think music is a fantastic platform for you know making a point or trying to say something or you know artistically trying to change people's minds without necessarily shoving something down somebody's throat it is a it is a good song no, i do yeah. I, yeah i can understand why people are behind it i mean you know, without going too much into this stuff, the world is incredibly divided at the moment, it feels like, and maybe more so than at any point during our lifetimes. And sometimes stuff like this is what you need to kind of unite people and get people to kind of wake up to find a common cause. Exactly. No, and, you know, I hope he continues to live the life he, he wants to live and get his message out. It's, it's inspiring. And even more so, really, the reason why I wanted to mention this on our podcast is he posted on Instagram a poem. And I don't think I shared this with you, but I'll read it. It's short. And this was apparently something that his, that was his grandfather's. And, you know, it reminds me of something that my grandfather's would have maybe had hanging in their house. And it all else, you know, this, this is really kind of like he struck a chord with me once again when I read this. And I've, I've been reading it all week because, you know, like it's been a difficult year for me in some ways and sometimes you just kind of need this and kind of a little checkpoint to make sure you're still living right and doing things the right way but i'll uh i'll share this real quick and then we can get your thoughts and open up open up the topic so sorry i guess i had a lot to talk about tonight didn't i <laughs> no, it's all good it's all good um well anyways okay so the the poem is called that man is a success who has lived well, laughed often, and loved much, who has gained the respect of intelligent men and the love of children, who has filled his niche and accomplished his task, who leaves the world better than he found it, whether by an improved poppy, a perfect poem, or a rescued soul, who never lacked appreciation of earth's beauty or failed to express it, who looked for the best in others and gave the best he had and that's the poem mm, um, nice. it's okay. simple but you know especially that last part you look for the best in other people and you give the best you have because life is not always going to go the way that you want it to go and it's a simple message sort of like his song um that's become so popular so um i don't know that's that's been one that's kind of gotten me through the week <laughs> so what what's the so were you aware of this poem have you been aware of this poem for a long time never never heard of it before no mm. not not until he posted it on his instagram last weekend and i mean i shared it to my page because it just it it really resonated with me and um even more interesting about this guy is he's from farmville virginia which is out east of lynchburg where i used to live you know kind of in the central part of the state but his family is from abingdon virginia where i'm from oh and, really huh. yeah and he he posted a picture of his like ancestors in abingdon you know like an old black and white old tommy photo of his ancestors and tagged it as abingdon virginia and i said what in the world this guy's from abingdon and so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I've kind of been thinking about this a lot the past couple of weeks, just just with all that I've just mentioned. So I figured I would mention it on the podcast today. Are you usually a, a, a do you read a lot of poetry? Are you, are you a fan of poetry in general? Um, I don't read a lot of poetry. I, I do like some um, poetry, like some of the Psalms in the Bible actually are 
are really it's really beautiful poetry um like the love is patient love is kind if you've never read that i mean that's timeless and amazing and just amazing to think that it was written so long ago um edgar Allan poe's poems are great you know i know i guess some of shakespeare's poems um i've read some byron poetry over the years but not really um what about you i mean i, I much prefer literature over po poetry yeah i mean genuinely have no real um history with poetry in terms of we never really studied it in school with the stuff that i did so it would have done the odd lesson on poetry but as a whole generally poetry was something that was quite prevalent in people who did like english literature um as a as a, a um, subject through gcse and a level uh which is something that you know, i d certainly didn't do it for a level and that's the time i think everybody did a lot of world war one poetry and stuff like that it's kind of always interested me poetry but i've never you know some people you can buy books of poems can't you and I've never done it. I've never like properly analysed a poem or sat and really, you know, engrossed myself in that. Because there are people who just, they absolutely love it and they're kind of immersed in it in the same way that, you know, some people love fiction books, some people just love poetry. It's, it's, and it's such an interesting medium, isn't it? Is it kind of, there's kind of no rules to it. And it's kind yeah. of, what is a poem? And it's actually quite hard to work out, you know, quite hard to describe what a poem is because it can be so many different things and it can be presented in so many different ways it's just kind of you know i always feel like i should probably be more interested in poetry than i am um maybe this will inspire me to to give it a go yeah i have a book of poems um and it's even got that the, the poem from psalms from the bible in it and it's you know shakespeare robert frost all the heavy hitters throughout history you know it's i mean in my opinion poetry is not something you can just sit and read continuously but you know mm. if, you, if you thumb through a book of poetry like once a day once a week and read something that catches your eye it can really hit you it can really strike the right nerve you know because i i would argue that you know a good poem could say more in five lines than a thousand page book could mm. so um, that's an interesting way to look at it. That's an argument for poetry for our listeners out there. Be, me being the English minor uh, university. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's the same with like a song, isn't it? Like like we were saying earlier about about this um, the track that you're telling us about. It's you can say so much almost in a subtle way, and you don't have to be, you know, outwardly clear about what you're saying. You can express things in a, in a poem in a similar way you can as a song i guess you know many songs are kind of poems just with a backtrack aren't they yeah and i mean songs basically are poetry yeah you know? yeah yeah it's the same structure i mean maybe somebody will correct me on that but i feel like it's it's poetry there's um, a question is a song a poem and is a poem a song uh that's a chicken or egg question mm. <laughs> I don't know what came first. Song surely came first. I mean, people probably before alphabets were invented were singing. Um, you know, cavemen were probably singing and banging their clubs and stuff. And so, <laughs> so maybe songs came first. I don't know. But, oh man! All right, what do you have to open up? Anything? Anything good? Anything going on in Burgess Hill of late? That's that's notable. No, nothing major. I mean, it's been obviously in and out of travel for me, but taking a bit a bit more downtime this week as I can. As I said, off to Burnley this weekend for some Premier League action and what has been a superb start to the season for for Tottenham. So I'm really looking forward to, to just taking a night away from everything and using it as a way to kind of de-stress and you know, leave work to one side for a little bit before I have to go to Japan. So yeah, looking forward to that. But other than that, yeah, just taking it as easy as I can at this moment in time. Good. Good, you know, me too. Staying busy, staying healthy, and just living my life. That's all <laughs> you can do, right? Um, shall we jump in? Let's, yeah, let's go for it. I, I feel like we've already had a bunch of topics, and we haven't even gotten to the topics yet. But, you know, <laughs> that's how we are. Um, favorite sports figures, uh, all-time and current. Um, we'll try to go through this as fast as we can. I suppose. So all time famous favorite sports figures for me would be Pat Summit, who was the legendary uh, lady Tennessee volunteers basketball coach for 
over 30 years and won, I think, eight national championships, uh, really revolutionized women's basketball from a half-court game in the 70s to an Olympic sport. She was the women's Olympic U.S. coach uh, for years, too. Um, But just all around a great person, inspiring figure. She was tough. You know, she never complained about being a woman or, or, you know, any of that, like, she just put her head down and worked and taught her players to work, and there were results. I mean, she won over a 1,000 games as a coach. And the most tragic thing about Pat Summit is she actually, for those of you that don't know, she passed away back, I think, in 2013? No, 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 probably 2016. Uh, she she was only in her early 60s, had early-onset dementia, and died, sadly. You know, she would still probably be the coach today if she was still around. So that's – a, a tragic story, but for, you know, for those of you out there that ever, like, if you ever want to read an inspiring sports memoir, check out her book, Sum It Up. It's a great book about her life and her struggles and her accomplishments. It, um, mm. it was a good look into her. Um, also on a Tennessee note, Peyton Manning, of course, I don't remember Peyton Manning being Tennessee's quarterback. I was too young, but I do remember him as an NFL quarterback and I was a Colts fan when Peyton Manning played for the Colts and I was a Broncos fan when he played for the uh, Broncos. Um, and, you know, he's, I think he's now actually going to be a teaching classes at the university of Tennessee this year um, as a professor, which is awesome. He has a master's degree um, from the school and, you know, funny guy, like he's been on Saturday night live. He's been on tons of commercials. Um he owns a bunch of Papa John's or he did it one time. So I don't know. I don't know why I threw that fact in there, but <laughs> love Peyton Manning. And then just also seeing him go out with a Super Bowl victory before he retired was, was legendary um, as well. Chipper Jones, the legendary Atlanta brave third baseman. He, I think his rookie year was the year they won the world series in 95, but he played his whole career for the Braves until 2012 retired dad and I saw him play his last year which was cool um but you know like and he was one of those guys that I don't think was ever on steroids during that era because he was just always so consistent with his stats and I have a lot of respect for him for that because the whole steroid era was a debacle in baseball which you know you and I were too young I guess for that but Chipper Jones was great (laughs) maybe not the most ideal character off the field but um but uh, definitely, definitely a great baseball player. And, you know, I have respect for people that play for one team for their whole careers. I think that's awesome. Um, to finish that off all time, Larry Bird, uh, my dad's a Celtics fan. Boston Celtics is kind of strange, you know, to think me being a Southerner is a, uh, as, as a Boston Celtics fan. But I am because of my dad, Larry Bird was his favorite basketball player of all time. Of course, Bird retired the year I was born. But, you know, you just go back and you watch his videos and his, like, trash talking and just how good he was. And it's it's amazing, really, to watch Larry Bird, truly one of the greatest of all time, um, and really, really enjoy um, his, uh, I guess, his contribution to the sport and – I wish that I could have been alive to see him play in his prime back in the 80s when the Celtics and the Lakers were just going at each other's throats every year. So that's my all-time. Uh, let's jump over to you for your all-time, and then we'll we'll go back and do our current. How does that sound? Because I've just done a lot of talking. Yeah, I mean, it's a slightly different listening because, I mean, a lot of so, – so we're starting off with, with people I haven't seen play necessarily, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, just overall, who's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, all time for me. So, out of people that are kind of before my time, um, Derek Bell's on my list, who's a British racing driver, who's the most successful British driver at the Le Mans 24 Hours, which is, uh, anyone who knows me, is an event that is incredibly close to me. Um, Just from my childhood all the way up through my career now. Um, and he's just an absolute gentleman. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him loads of times, and I've sat down and interviewed him for multiple hours, and he's just an incredible storyteller, um, just as good at, at you know public talking and or public speaking, sorry, and and 
um, telling stories as he was as a driver, just a hugely successful driver back in the day. Briefly raced in Formula One for Ferrari, but made his name as a Porsche factory driver and just was unbelievable, almost untouchable at times and raced in a, in a, you know, very much the golden era of, of the area of the sport that I cover. So he's definitely on there, just an absolute gentleman who would give anybody any time of day. Um, he's just a, a real inspiration to so many young British talent, you know, even coming up through the ranks today, there are plenty of people who really look up to him. So he's on there. Um, I'm going to have to say, in terms of American football, Donald Driver is my all-time favourite player. Lucky enough to see him play once, um, just before he retired, when I, the first time I saw the Packers play at Lambeau Field. It was, I think it was the last season um, before he retired. But he's a wide receiver for the Packers who still holds the record for the most amount of yards um, over his career for a single team, or, or he holds the Packers record for most yards gained. Um, just an, a genuinely lovely guy, again, just a real family-first person, a really good teammate. Nobody had a bad word to say about him and was just awesome to watch. You know, he, he was quick, but also had good size. He could play in the slot, he could play on the outside could catch any ball and just was really underrated because he wasn't showy. He wasn't the sort of person to show off. He was not a diva at all. And he played in the sort of Brett Favre era through to the start of um, Aaron Rodgers era and won the Super Bowl of Aaron Rodgers as quarterback and was just amazing until the very end. Was just so reliable and so dependable and he just kind of embodies the Green Bay Packers way of playing football for me. Just a truly outstanding human being. So he's my all-time favorite um, NFL player or American football player. Awesome. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, there are so many. Um, if we're looking at uh, soccer or uh, English football, uh, it'd be hard for me to look past Harry Kane, who's um, you know, England's captain, Tottenham's all-time leading goal scorer just left the team unfortunately at the time of recording so incredibly sad time for all of us who um, support Spurs but just an awesome guy and just so so consistent it feels like one of the few things that's been a constant in my life for the last decade has been Harry Kane scoring on a Saturday or a Sunday it just it doesn't matter what happened where I could have had the worst week of my life or the best week of my life. And no matter what happened, when I sat down on a weekend, Harry Kane would score a goal or two or three, and sometimes even more than that. He was He's just an amazing player. And again, isn't a diva, keeps very much out of the public eye, is you know married to his high school sweetheart, has a couple of kids and keeps himself very private. He, you know, he does his charitable work. He gets on with the job. Always turns up to training, pushes as hard as anybody, but he's not the sort of person that ever really sings his own praises and unfortunately never really won anything during his time with Spurs aside from personal accolades. So he'll go on to win tons of trophies at his new home in, in, in Munich, but um, he will always be an absolute icon to anybody who's supported Spurs in the modern era and anybody who grew up with him like me, him being a local boy who... Played for Leighton Orient and um, came up through the Spurs Academy. Just an absolutely, you know, true Spurs legend up there with some of the best players of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Who, you know, most of you know most of the people who go to games now could only dream of seeing. So that's that's a sort of top three for me. I would say. Yeah, yeah, no, and I have him written down too, and. God, I love Harry Kane. You know, he made the sport more exciting for me once Tottenham became my team because of you. And I know we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'll never forget April 2014, Tottenham versus Sunderland in White Hart Lane, the old stadium. You and me and both of our dads, you, my parents were over visiting me in school in London. 
saw Harry Kane's first Premier League goal, and we we saw the beginning of history, you know, for for him and for Spurs, and we didn't know it at the time, you know. I think you kind of offhandedly say, "Oh yeah, that's Harry Kane. He's like twenty, twenty-one. He's he's okay." <laughs> yeah, and then he absolutely destroyed everyone for a decade. <laughs> Just a decade, yeah. And I mean, the best thing about Harry Kane is he's he's a he seems by all accounts a good person, and that sort of like Oliver Anthony, who we mentioned earlier, <laughs> it goes a long way when the spotlight's on you. You know, it's like how do you handle fame and. I have a lot of admiration for people who handle fame like that and, and live private and good lives. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I like Donald Driver, too. That's a good – that's a very good and obscure pick, man. I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned him. I'd actually kind of forgotten about him. He was a great receiver. Mm, just – yeah, he's one of those where he was like – he's like a cult hero to Packers fans. Um, and kind yeah. of a forgotten player, like you say, that it's not somebody that's immediately obvious to you. But I was so happy. Like there are a handful of players um, in sports who you, know, you wish you could have seen play, like Larry Bird to you, or um, you know somebody like seeing Derek Bell race. I was so happy to see Donald Driver play a game. You know, it wasn't his, you know, the most memorable performance of all time. You know, he probably only caught a few passes when I saw him play the Saints. But it was one of those where it was like, I can't believe I'm seeing him in front of me because he's one of the players that really did get me into sports as a whole, not just not just American football. Um, so I was so happy to see him. And, and another one that I would have to throw into the ring is Clayton Kershaw, who bizarrely I've got on in the background because I'm what, catching up on a Dodgers game and, um, from a few <laughs> nights ago. And oh my god, what an unbelievable baseball player he is! Like he's one of the, he's another one of those that you just, if you're a Dodgers fan, you have to, you owe it to yourself to go and see him play. And thank God, the year that I saw the Dodgers play in Chicago, um, he pitched one of the two nights that I went to see them play. It's awesome. Oh man, and he was on fire as well. And that was what made it so awesome was the fact that he absolutely tore the Cubs apart. It was something like 14 strikeouts that night and and we had really good seats so we had we had one we had we had two games we sat in bleachers for the first game on the friday night i think it was and then the saturday afternoon we had really good seats between third base and home plate so perfect place to sit and watch a picture at work really and awesome. just to, to have him pitch that day couldn't have been more perfect he was just yeah i was in absolute awe of seeing him in, in front of me awesome player and a, another very understated lovely person who keeps himself to himself and doesn't isn't isn't ever in the news for anything other than breaking records gotta love it you mm. gotta love it um let's touch on a few more before we jump to topic two um hendon hooker special special player for for both me and for you i mean he last year and then the year before ignited Tennessee football back to national prominence as quarterback and mm. another great human being and individual and just seems like a stand-up guy. And, you know, you and I, like I've been a Tennessee fan for a long time. You've been a Tennessee fan for over 10 years. And the 2010s of Tennessee football were the doldrums of Tennessee football. And just the last year, CS win. 11 games and win the orange bowl and him light it up was just amazing. And, you know, just, and I'm so excited and we'll talk about that too here in a minute about football starting again. And even though he's in the NFL now, it was awesome. I mean, you were here last year for the Kentucky game. We watched it together. That was such a great game, but mm. you know, that, that game was coming off Tennessee beating Alabama. And let me tell you folks listening Tennessee and Alabama have played each other over 100 times. They go back to the 1890s in, in American college football. And until last year, Alabama had beaten Tennessee like 16 years in a row, and it was just embarrassing. You know, their oldest rival, biggest rival, the two best teams in the SEC traditionally, such a lopsided rivalry. And just seeing Hendon Hooker carry Tennessee to victory in that game and getting that elephant, so to speak, their mascot's an elephant, off Tennessee's back it was a big elephant it wasn't a monkey it was an elephant felt so good and still feels so good because like I, I'm so sick of Alabama so sick of it and 
it's comforting to know that it seems like hopefully Alabama football's dynasty is dwindling now at the end of the Nick Saban era. So the winds of change are hopefully coming coming around again. Tennessee's on the up. Alabama is beatable, and things are changing. And I just I just had to touch on Hooker because it was such a phenomenal year seeing him play last year. Mm. Uh, for me, I've got three three more names I want to throw into the ring. My favorite ever basketball player is Dwayne Wade, who's was all, almost played his entire career, which was pretty much two decades with the Miami Heat, my team, and saw him play live when the one and only time that the Heat have played abroad and they played in London. And the sport, I think I mentioned this the last, when we first recorded this podcast, I like basketball and, you know, we played it at school. So I had a connection to it. A lot of sports that I really enjoy are sports I've never played, like cricket and football and American football. And um, I've never raced either. (laughs) <laughs> but but basketball is something that we used to play regularly at school and I used to really enjoy playing basketball. So dad took me to see the Heat play the Nets at um at the O2 when they came over. And I was kind of aware of the NBA and had played the games on PlayStation and that sort of thing. But until I saw it in person, you know, it wasn't anything other than just like a passing interest, very casual. And Dwayne Wade, seeing him play live as one of the few players that I knew because obviously living in living over here, if you're not interested, especially at that time, because it was so rare to find NBA on TV and it wasn't in the news. So, you know, you had an idea of a few players like Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, Michael, everyone knows Michael Jordan, whether you like basketball or not. But um, Dwayne Wade was one of the few players that I'd heard of because the, the Heat had just come off of winning a title a couple of years before they came over. And... Oh my God, he was just awesome that night. He and yeah, from that moment on, I just fell in love with the Miami Heat properly, and have been like a diehard supporter of them ever since. Just an awesome player, so exciting to watch, so fast, so nimble, had all the shots, and would just never give up. He never mailed it in. He never. There was never a game for his entire career where you thought, "Oh, he's not interested tonight," or he's not feeling it. <laughs> he would always give it everything and in the playoffs there were times when he was simply unstoppable when he was healthy he had a lot of injuries which unfortunately curtailed some of our seasons but you could always rely on him if he was healthy in the playoffs and won three championships with us and deserved all three of them awesome um so yeah the other two are some son Ming, who's now tottenham's captain in the wake of hugo larice um, you know, being on the cusp of leaving. He's an awesome football player. Um, comes from South Korea, is the captain of the South Korean national team, and is just everybody loves him, he's always got a smile on his face. Um the entire team just rally around him all the time and he's a very natural leader for us, I think, now. And it's kind of feels like it's his team now that Harry's gone. And so yeah. the era of Son kind of starts now, even though he's just past 30. <laughs> it feels like this is his time, and he seems so motivated to win us something. And he's one of these players, he's never in the news about wanting to leave, never wants to move. He could take his pick of any massive team in Europe. You know, he could move to the likes of Real Madrid tomorrow or Man City or any of these big teams that he would likely win trophy after trophy with. But for whatever reason, when he moved to Spurs from playing in the Bundesliga in Germany, I think it was probably seven or eight years ago now, maybe even longer, maybe nine, he just has fallen in love with the community and the team and it feels like he'll never leave. And I don't think he will. I think he'll play with us until he retires. He's great. Yeah, no, he's awesome. Um, and the final one is um, my all-time favourite cricketer, Ben Stokes, who's England's captain and has completely, almost single-handedly rejuvenated people's love of cricket in this country in the space of the last two years. He's, what he's done to our international side is something that I think people will be talking about for decades and decades to come. He's completely changed our mentality and the way we play his aggression, his 
doesn't give a toss attitude to everything is just amazing. We've gone from being one of the worst teams in the world at Test cricket to being one of, if not the best, right now and playing amazing cricket. And it's, it's great. changed. It's changed the sport over here. People are talking about it in places that you would never see before. People are watching it in bigger numbers than you would see before. And it's down to him and what, and what he's done. He's come in as captain and turned everything around. And all of a sudden, you know, people are just loving their cricket again. And we are in thanks to that because he's just, you know, a real, a real warrior of a player. And uh, certainly somebody that everybody can get behind. So hats off to, to Mr. Stokes. Well said on all. Very succinctly put, Stephen. I know you do things with a lot of heart and with passion, and that was good. It's it's better than just saying, oh, yeah, I like Tom Brady because he scored a lot of touchdowns. I, I enjoyed the enlightening um, perspective on each and every one of those folks, you know. So that was good, my friend. Um, I guess to sum all this up, guys, it's football season, both in England and in America. College football starts this weekend in America. NFL starts next weekend. The British Premier League has already kicked off. Um, our beloved Tennessee Volunteers play the University of Virginia Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Tennessee Titans Stadium, the NFL Stadium. I figured I would give a little bit of an interesting um, fact in regards to the Virginia Cavaliers, Tennessee's opponent on Saturday. Believe it or not, it relates back to English history. Are you ready for this, Stephen? I've probably oh, told yeah. you this in the past. Um, no, I'm, I'm all up for this. So you're probably wondering, how in the world does this university in America relate back to the English Civil War, which was fought in the mid-1600s? You know, The reason why it does, so the Virginia Colony, was founded in 1607 by English colonists and quickly grew along with the other 13 that would become the founding states of the United States in the 1770s and 80s. Well, during the English Civil War, the colonies were just kind of left to their own devices, really, you know, while while the while parliament and the royalists were fighting it out, Cromwell versus the uh, versus Charles and Virginia was actually a loyalist colony during this time period. And so, you know, the, the two the two factions were called the Cavaliers being the supporters of the king and the monarchy and the roundheads being the supporters of Cromwell and the parliamentarians. So Virginia, of course, being a loyalist colony, um, was a cavalier. They were the Cavaliers, right? And then Virginia is also called as a state the Old Dominion because it was – an old dominion for the royal, for the monarchy. So anyways, when the University of Virginia was founded by one of America's founding fathers and later third president, Thomas Jefferson, they eventually adopted the mascot name, the Cavaliers, which paid homage back to Virginia's history of being loyal to the crown, which is really odd because, you know, decades, generations later, America would fight against the, the British monarchy for its own independence. But there you have it, folks. Uh, the University of Virginia Cavaliers date back to the English Civil War, of all things. So That's that crazy. That really is nuts. And it's, it's fascinating. And, of course, you know, Tennessee, the Volunteers, dates back to Davy Crockett and the Tennesseans that stood up to fight against the British and against whoever, really. They were always ready to fight somebody. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you ever, you know, if, if any of you are ever bored, look up look up mascots in America and why they are what they are, whether at the professional or the college level, I promise you almost every single one has some sort of meaning. Even the New York Knicks, the basketball team has a very important literary meaning. I won't share that, but um, not because it's bad or anything, but just because I want you guys listening to look it up. Um, but anyways, I can't wait, man. Falls in the air. It's going to be good. Florida and Utah are playing now, so I'll be watching that tonight and uh, watching it all weekend, I guess. Um, topic two. Topic two. You ready to jump in? I think fitness, is that what we're talking about a little bit? Yeah, that's what I want to talk about, just because I feel like I've been on a lifelong journey with fitness. It's never been a, a, a kind of constant in my life. I've kind of been in and out of it, so 
The reason I want to talk about it at the moment, I think, is because I'm currently on a um, health kick's the wrong way to put it, but in my list of priorities in life in the last couple of years, getting fitter has been, you know, on that list and it's something I've needed to tick off. And so the last couple of months now I've been regularly exercising three or four times a week and working out and going for runs, cycling, um, doing like cardio workouts and strength workouts and stuff like that. I'm really, now I'm kind of settled into my, my new job and my new role at work. I've had the ability to really focus on that outside of you know leisure and, and work time and it's just it's so important but it's so difficult and everybody kind of has a different story with fitness don't they some people don't care at all and they just kind of live their lives some people <laughs> are obsessed with it to the point where you know they track every second of their life to their heart rate and the amount of calories they burn and how many workouts they do and do multiple workouts a day and just sort of spend all day in the gym doing whatever it's right. You know, it's, it's it, to some level, it's important for everybody, but people have wildly different routines and just have a different outlook on it. And mine has always been a nightmare because I've fluctuated in weight so many times. I've been incredibly fat at times. I've been super skinny when I've focused on working out and, you know, running, 10 or 15 kilometers at a time regularly and you know going on long bike rides and stuff like that so i've been a couple of times in my life really fit and healthy and then other times completely the opposite depending on what's happened whether it's been that i've got ill and stopped working out and lost the routine or got too busy with work and life changes and stuff like that um and so yeah it's, it's been on my mind a lot recently because i'm actively trying to turn that corner and go from a place where I don't feel very fit at all and I put on plenty of weight and you know you get all the side effects that come with that to trying to do something about it and kind of turn the super tanker around so yeah for the moment yeah, <laughs> yeah to put it mildly um so you have to play with words sometimes so so yeah so I'm running a few times a week and yeah, starting to make some progress. Still got a long old way to go, but I'm at a point now where going out for every run is not a nightmare. And <laughs> trying to, you know, change my diet bit by bit, not go too crazy, but just eat less and think consciously every time I go to eat bad food, you know, whether I can cut out bits here and there that just overall will make an impact. But you've kind of always inspired me in a bit in a way because you've been in good shape for a while and you have a, a really decent workout routine or at least you mostly have in the time I've known you since you left London and went back home um and you've always I've, I've felt like for a long time now you've managed to keep yourself to a, a really good physique and weight and it's something I've never been able to do for more than maybe a year or two at a time so I guess my first question is what's the secret um, well, I've, of course, you know, I was the fat kid growing up for a while too. And I've, I've had periods of my adulthood, even since living in Charlotte where I've been heavier. Um, but really the secret is a good diet, eating less, you know, eating less portions and eating well and eating food that's good for your, for your mind and for your body. Um, and then exercise. I mean, you know, we sit, you and I, we sit all day with work. Um, I started playing pickleball. It's actually a really good exercise, uh, believe it or not. I didn't think it was as good an exercise as it was. My my dad um, and I went to play today. They're down here visiting, I may have mentioned, for the weekend. And we went to play today, and he loved it too. But it's consistency. I mean, it's moving every day, doing something different, you know. And I don't lift a lot of weights. I, I have run a lot, you know, the past several years. But really, it's... <laughs> I guess as simple as it says is or simple as it is, is just to eat less calories than uh, you burn um, and being mindful of that. I mean, you know, you can have fun and drink and eat bad every now and then, but you don't want to be eating cheeseburgers and fries for every meal. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, luckily I've been lucky. I mean, I'm tall, which helps, but uh, I currently weigh in the 230s. I've been as heavy as 270 before. Mm. I've not been under 200 pounds since middle school, which would be like what year nine or something. But I think if you were under 200 pounds with your, you know, if your your build, it would 
be too light, I think. Yeah. It would and I'd be underweight. Yeah. I mean, naturally, like I'm a big person, like broad shouldered, barrel chested. You know, I've got, I wear a size 14 shoe. Um, I, I can carry a lot of weight too, but I could also easily get very out of hand with my weight if I wasn't conscious about it. So. I think it's just, you know, another thing is it's just, it's, it's your lifestyle. Don't look at it as a, as a diet. Don't look at it as a, you know, as, a, as something that you need to do or you want to do. Look at it as something that you need to do. It's your life. You know, it's your body. Take care of your body while you're young. That would be my advice. It pays dividends down the road. Um, of course, you know, as we're, I'm 30, you're 20, you'll be 29 in October. So we're not getting any younger, my friend. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, exactly, and it's one of those things. Like, I just don't want to end up forty and just incredibly overweight, and wish I'd done something about it earlier. So you know, I'm not massively overweight and huge, but I'm at a point where I notice that I'm unfit and overweight more and more, and it's affected things like my asthma and stuff like that, which has always been a nightmare because it just when it flares up, it knocks me out. You know, occasionally, once every two or three years, I'll go for a period of where my asthma's terrible for whatever reason. And I'll, you know, a couple of times I've ended up in hospital or, you know, a doctor's on a ventilator and it's just been, and it's disrupted it. And it, and sometimes that's come at the cost of exercise because I end up recovering from that and lose the routine. And once I lose the routine, I find it near impossible to get it back again. And so yeah. I'm just trying to find the happy medium where, I'm eating better, you know, not, I don't believe in fad diets and, you know, being strict, you know, to the, to the letter with, with what I eat, because I know that all I'd have to do is just not drink as many fizzy drinks and not snack between meals and not <laughs> go for that second portion of mac and cheese. And that coupled with a few runs a week easily gets you on your way to losing enough weight and maintaining a healthy healthy weight um right. you know, to where you want to be i've just for too long since moving house and since you know going through a rough patch at work last year and changing jobs and getting back into traveling a lot more it's just been finding the time to focus on developing a lifestyle that i want with fitness has just been so difficult and at that time at the, you know at the same time been eating poorly and just so consumed with other things that you kind of don't even notice it that's kind of the hardest thing with diet i think is that you don't realize how bad it is until you sit and think about it and you make some yeah. changes and you know it will be difficult for a few weeks i always find like if you start to eat less or you say right you know i'll not cut out something like eating chocolate but actively say right you know only really have it in you know, very small doses, you realize how much, you know, how much bad food you've been eating. And there's always the excuse of, oh, I'm really knackered. It's been a long day at work. So let's have a take it, take out tonight or, you know, being away at work on traveling and there being nothing open except a McDonald's at the end of the night after you finished work, it, it all adds up. And so finding a routine and a way around that and something that works is just so difficult, but I'm kind of getting there. And I'm kind of, do you get the same thing? Or when you're in a routine, it you almost don't have to think about it anymore. Like I know that I've got free runs to do this week and I just plan it out in advance when I'm going to do them. And I kind of enjoy the challenge of getting it done now. Whereas it's not daunting anymore like it was when I started to run again, you know, a couple of months ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's habits, you know, it takes weeks. It's not an overnight change and, you know, there for a while last year, I lost a bunch of weight um, for some health reasons and it was just like eating clean and, you know, not drinking anything but water and coffee and tea. And then, yeah, and I mean, it's a mindset, you know, you have to be disciplined like you do in so many other things. And I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting thing coming from me who's also struggled with, with it at times. So I think that that's a good a good topic, Stephen, because it, you know, and I know with your lifestyle, it's very hard to, to, to uh, be consistent when you're traveling halfway around the globe every other week sometimes, you know. Mm. But at the same time, I've gone from a job where it was nine to five and most of the time working from home. So it's the, 
it's kind of in a way it's, it's kind of opposite i've gone from a job where i would sit in one place for you know all day into the evening and not move at all to having a job where i'm actually out and about a lot more traveling around you know going to airports you know moving to and from hotels working at you know, remotely around the world means that I'm doing more exercise, just like natural exercise, like walking and stuff like that. That has improved, but the diet's got worse because you're in other countries and you're not cooking for yourself a lot of the time. When we're in Europe, we do try and cook, book an Airbnb with a kitchen, stuff like that, and, and limit the amount of times we go out to eat. But when you're in Japan, like it will be next week, you know, you're beholden to the hotel you get put in and whether there's anything open in the evening and usually right. it's crap and that's the worst thing about it you you know there's you're not going to find a salad at nine o'clock at night are you <laughs> so, you know no nobody ordering not. salad at 10 p.m on a saturday are they so, <laughs> so no. when people be eating burgers they be eating burgers and you can get them day or night <laughs> you can't right. get carrots at one o'clock in the morning in my experience so that's right yeah difficult but yeah it's just been on my mind a lot recently but hopefully next time you see me you'll go oh you know you've lost the additional 70 pounds that you put on in the last two years <laughs> and so now you look like you know a relatively healthy person rather than a yeah go and see your doctor kind of person <laughs> I won't even recognize you, I'm sure, which <laughs> which was a good thing. Um, for the sake of time, top three, bottom three, let's just do it rapid fire. Let's just list yep. them off. Um, so once again, thanks, Alan Wink, for the top three, bottom three for this episode. We greatly appreciate you. I think you submitted the one for the next episode, too, so we'll be sure to do that as well. Um, all right. Top three museums we visited or want to visit. Um Imperial War Museum in London, that was great. The museum in Bastogne, Belgium, uh, which is about the Battle of the Bulge in World War II, was phenomenal. And I would like to see the Titanic Museum in Belfast, where uh, at the shipyards, the Harlan and Wolf shipyards, where the Titanic was built. That, that would be my one I would want to see. All right, what are your three, my friend? Mine are, uh, so two of them are sports. So one of them is the Packers Hall of Fame. Um, which is situated at Lambeau Field, which for any sports fan, whether you're interested in NFL or not, amazing. Um, the German National Football Museum in Dortmund, which is a two-story extravaganza of a museum that you think is going to be really dull and boring, but is actually packed with history beyond football. Half of it's about domestic football and half of it's about international football, and it's awesome. The third one is the same as you. I've gone for the Bastogne Museum because it's so interactive and it appear, would appeal to the youngest kid who's got any interest in history up to somebody who knows their onions. It's an awesome place <laughs> to go to learn about a really fascinating part of of the Second World War. So that's my friend. Yeah, all good. All good. Glad we got to do the Bastogne Museum together. That was awesome. Mm. Um, so there you have it, folks. Our top three, if you're ever in rural Belgium, in the Ardennes Forest, go to that museum. Um, bottom three things about going to a wedding. Uh, mine are the food. The food's usually pretty, meh, you know, all kind of tastes the same. A lot of carbs. Um, the same songs are usually played, and that gets kind of old. You can only dance to the electric slide so many times. Uh, and then lastly, surprisingly, I guess, maybe after saying those two things, I feel like weddings always end too quickly. Um, you know, you, you do the wedding, they kiss, whatever. You uh, eat, you dance, you go home. It just it goes by too fast sometimes. I've had a lot of good friends get married, and I'm always like, man, sad it's over. Um, <laughs> what are your what are your bottom three? Mine is going to a wedding when the only person you know is your plus one, and you're put on a table with awkward people <laughs> that you don't know, or you spend the entire night either asking somebody else to tell you who the other people are. Or you just kind of feel very secluded because they can be very cliquey, can't they, weddings? Yeah. With groups of friends and family who don't necessarily need to socialise out of the people they know. So that's 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 difficult. The other one is, this is a public service announcement. If you're getting married, there needs to be some free drinks on offer. If, you, if I'm going to a wedding where there's no free alcohol, I don't want to go. Yeah? 
It's just it's, it's a disgrace out there. I'm making Try the effort. A dry Get, wedding. Yeah, no, not happening. I wouldn't bother. Um, so that's my second one. My third one is, you know, having to dance, particularly sober. So if it's too early in the night and then and the music's on and we've gone from you know we've we've hot footed it from you know London calling through to twist and shout to baggy trousers, the holy trinity of of um wedding songs, and I've not had seven pints, I just feel like the worst person and the most awkward person in the world because I can't dance, which probably won't come as a surprise to anybody. So Neither can I. no, exactly. <laughs> so that's my problem for me. Maybe maybe people can learn a few things from us, but dancing is not one of them. No, um, it's really not. As a shock to most people listening, but wow, we're done with episode eleven. <laughs> this was good. Sixty-five minutes, not too bad for us these days. No, amazing. Yeah, it's it's been a blast, man. It went by too fast, but that was great. I hope that those of you listening enjoyed this episode. We thank you for your continued support. Uh, please like subscribe and share whatever tell your friends write your local newspaper get the word out we appreciate it we you know we're getting a decent audience these days surprisingly um it's amazing that people want to hear us talk so much but they do um <laughs> for some reason anyways my friend i bid you i do and i know it's late over in blighty so i'll uh, i'll talk to you later safe travels to japan and we'll do this again soon yeah, let's uh, keep in touch throughout the weekend. And for everyone listening, keep in touch with us. Any questions, topics, comments or concerns, DM us, call us, text us, email us at neitherhinortherepod at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much. And great to chat to you, Daniel. I look forward to speaking to you very soon. Same to you, my friend. And um, we will see you next time.